Looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the African Perspective. You with me, Benjamin Mushatama, from now 11 o'clock Central African time until midday Central African time. Thank you for joining us on 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. That's our frequency on shortwave. Remember, we also on uh, Channel 802 on the Audible K in South Africa and neighboring countries that have the DSTV facility. Don't forget that you can stream us live as well on www www.channelafrica.co.za well, well, today we're looking at an agricultural story, a very important one, that is, in terms of uh, the continuous conversation around uh, the issue of transformation when it comes to the agricultural space. Now, the Zimbabwe Commercial Farmers Union has advised uh, white uh, South African farmers to agree to a deal to share land with the black majority. Now, uh, a member of the union says this should be done to avoid the same suffering and the fate that uh, was actually experienced by the Zimbabwean counterparts. You'll recall why Zimbabwean farmers were violently evicted from their properties as a result of the controversial land reform program in Zimbabwe. Now, the union's president, Peter Stale, and that's the Zimbabwe Commercial Farmers Union, says it would be better if white South African farmers give away a little bit of their land now than risk losing everything later. Now, we know that land redistribution is a big burning political issue in South Africa and has divided the ruling African National Congress ahead of a December conference where Jacob Zuma's successor as a party leader will be chosen. Now also we know that it's also being a playing card for various political parties, the land issue. Now to discuss this emotive issue, we joined on the line by Professor Andres de Doig, who is the, from the Institute for Poverty and Land and Agrarian Studies. He's the director there. I haven't spoken to him in a long while, so it's great to have him on uh, the program. We also have Theo Diaga, who is the president of World Farmers Organization. I also have Willem van Jarsfeld, who is a member of the Agri, um, uh, Agri Limpopo. He's a farmer and agri-economist and CEO of Agri Limpopo. Let me get the title right. And also, last but not least, we also have Dr. Vuyo Mathati, who is the president of the African Farmers Association of South Africa. Now, let me start this conversation with you, Theo, because you look at things from a global landscape as you are uh, leading the World Farmers Organization. This call by the Zimbabwe uh, Commercial Farmers Union President Peter Stale to actually advise South Africans, white South African farmers, to really change and shift their mentality and uh, think of actually sharing the land with the black majority. Is it a controversial call? Yeah, it will depend on how you look at it, Um, good morning. Thank you for having me on this debate. Sure. Um, I, I know the Zimbabwean 
farmers organizations very well because I was nominated to the world presidency by them. And we've, we, we've been trying to merge the Zimbabwean farmers unions now for the last three years in order to be able to speak to the ZANU-PF government with, with one voice. And every time I visit them, I would ask them, knowing what you guys know now, with the wisdom of hindsight, mm. what would you have done differently in the late 1990s? Um, because that is the kind of thing we should take cognizance of in South Africa. Mm. And what he has been calling for is nothing different from the calls from the National Planning Commission in the plan of Chapter 6 of the National Development Plan of 2030 mm. for partnerships, for sharing, for ensuring that we mainstream black farmers in the value chains. As long as they are safe, profitable black farmers, the, the white farmers will never be secure in their profitability and the sustainability of the operation. So in that sense, it's nothing new and it's nothing controversial. It's something which we should have started doing um, a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to try to see if we can sort out that particular line. I'm not sure of that, but I heard you very, very strongly there, uh, Theo, you highlighting the fact that this is nothing new, the fact that uh, uh, this is a, a call that's made it to the public space. It's something that has been on a continuous conversation for a long, long time. Professor Andres de Toy, it seems like uh, it's taking us a very, very long time for us to actually even start with this particular process of land redistribution, the sharing of wealth in terms of equity in various uh, uh, Communities Now, this racialization of land, for you, is it problematic or uh, is it a, a good call that we are hearing here from uh, Peter Stale? Um, hi, Benjamin. Hi, listeners. I'm sorry. I, I, the line is really terrible, so I'm not really aware oh, exactly no. of what, so. uh, what, how you introduced it. Um, I, I will say, uh, from what I understood from what uh, my colleague Theo said, mm. that the, the, there's nothing particularly new about what's being said here. Mm. And I would also say that it's, it's not really the case that um, that we are only now beginning with land reform. We're only now really beginning the conversation. There's been a, a sort of a stalled conversation going on about land reform since uh, before the moment of liberation in South Africa, since before 1994. And one of the big problems that, uh, that, that, that I see is that I think we've been approaching the whole question of land reform in a very unproductive way. Uh, and we're looking at it through, very, uh, through the wrong lens in, in many ways. I think one of the, the, the critical things going on with land reform is not that there is not sufficient political will. And I think it's also a grievous misunderstanding to think that the, the main obstacle is to find ways of expropriating white farmers and that the main obstacle is the, the notion that white farmers don't want to give up their land. Since the beginning, the commercial farmers and the white farmers in South Africa have said that they are willing to be part of any kind of land reform solution in South Africa. The, the problem that we have at the moment is that the large-scale macroeconomic conditions in South Africa are not conducive to pro-poor land reform. 
the, the, this is a situation with, with which many of our listeners in the rest of the continent will not be familiar, but the South African food system has really changed very profoundly in the last 30 years uh, to a situation in which the, the people who have all the power and who hold all the card in our food system are the supermarkets. They're the ones who are determining prices. They're the ones who determine upon which mm-hmm. terms everyone else participates in the system. And it cre- it's created an environment that's really very hostile to any but the biggest commercial farmers. So that small-scale agriculture really struggles. And that means that pro-poor land reform, land reform that's directed towards the interests of, of small-scale farmers is extremely difficult to do. If you talk to any commercial farmer, white or black in South Africa at the moment, they'll tell you that um, their suppliers want volume. Their suppliers want one, their, their buyers want volume. Their buyers want one supplier to give them a huge amount of produce uh, on a large scale, very consistently, big diversity. Small farmers, no matter how good a farmer you are, they're not, simply not positioned to be able to, to do that. Uh, so the environment is created uh, in, in which the name of the game is get big or, or get out. And um, in a context where the, the, the macro food system is so strongly slanted against um, uh, the interests of farmers, particularly smaller farmers, land reform is always going to get an, uh, be an uphill battle. And the price of expropriating land is only one small, it's, it's often far from the biggest uh, part of the problem. Indeed, if you talk to vegetable farmers in many parts of the for example, the finance you require to put a crop on the ground is many times the value of the land. So so there's this huge fixation on expropriation, this huge fixation on the value of the land is actually misdirected. We need to look at the market conditions more broadly. I also want to say one other thing, which is that in South Africa, a very large part of the demand for land is not a demand for land for commercial agriculture. If you look at the sort of two million or so households mm-hmm. in South Africa that do subsistence farming, and even the 200,000 or so small farmers that take some products, products to market, they are not interested in full-scale commercial farming. For them, land is much more part of their social welfare, mm-hmm. part of their safety safety net. That's an incredibly important function of land that gets to be neglected. So I think this this the, the current focus on large scale agriculture and on large scale commercial commercial agriculture is actually uh, takes us into looking at the mm-hmm. wrong issues. We need to look mm-hmm. at land as a multifunctional uh, value that's that's needed by poor people for 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 many for many different purposes. Okay. Uh, and, well, you, and you can't bring small, pro-poor land reform into yeah. the game if you don't look at the market conditions. Well, that's, those are good points that are brought by you there, Professor Detoy. And uh, we start the conversation as well with Theo Deag. I'm going to bring in uh, uh, Willem Fanyarsfeld there and uh, Dr. Vuyo Mashati there. When we come back after the break, we're looking at this uh, advice from a farming expert in Zimbabwe who's saying that uh, white South African farmers need to agree to share the land with the black majority. Is this a 
good call in your view? Give us your thoughts on our Twitter handle at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa One. Give us your thoughts on this question. Is it a good call for uh, this particular advice coming from a farming expert in Zimbabwe saying South African farmers need to agree to share land with the majority at Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue? We want to hear your thoughts. We'll be back to continue this uh, uh, conversation, unpack some of the other thoughts coming from our other guests. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Yes, you're listening to Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms. Today we're looking at this uh, a conversation of uh, uh, this uh, uh, expert who has really, really got attention in terms of the news feed. Uh, the Zimbabwe Commercial Farmers Union President Peter Stale was advising white South African farmers to agree to a deal to share land with the uh, black majority. Now, let me move on uh, to the uh, Dr. Vuyo Mashati, president of the African Farmers Association of South Africa. I know that, uh, uh, Dr. Mashati, that this week saw the uh, African Farmers Association of South Africa, which you are heading, hosting a, a conversation on agribusiness transformation in, in Johannesburg. And now it was almost kind of uh, uh, re- relevant when it came to this big uh, uh, news topic when it comes to agriculture. Transformation in the farming sector. Why is it so snail-paced? Thank you very much to Channel Africa and Malbongwe on this Women's Month. And uh, greetings to all women farmers. Fantastic. As well as you people. Thank you. So I, I think, you know, the snail-paced is, is, is more than a snail-paced. 23 years after, we're sitting with 11% of farmland being transferred through restitution and redistribution. And these are the figures um, by March 2017 uh, submitted to the Department of uh, Planning and Monitoring and Evaluation. So, you know, I guess everybody is clear that whatever is being tried is not working. And actually the level of patience, you know, which is obviously thinning now mm-hmm. with the debate height is, 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 is in indicative of basically something that is not just not sustainable, that cannot be tolerated. So I think that um, the debate, what we've heard this morning is basically some, you know, is, 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 you know, a various aspects of the reasons. But I think at the core of it is 
uh, you know, the the will. Mm. I don't believe that the will, you know, from societal will, from the mm. farmers, mm. you know, commercial farmers to government at all levels has actually been strong enough to address the issue. Mm. I, I believe that we're needing now to move beyond, you know, the, 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 what I call the noise, mm. because what you're dealing with, I mean, every time we delay, we're increasing inequality. Mm. The industry is getting seriously concentrated mm. with 20% of the farmers who produce for the 80%. And also, you know, more and more, and they actually, it's not good for both black and white farmers what is happening. So I'm just saying that from AFASA, we have come up with a plan. And the plan is basically assisting. And this is based on conversations at district and provincial level with, directly with the farmers. And we're compiling a report. We have not touched all the provinces. But we got to a point where we said we must move beyond the political noise. Understand and understand directly mm. what are the issues mm. that need to be addressed. Well, let me. Let me they, mm. uh, you know, yeah. yeah, you know what? Let me move it to Willem van Jarsveld, the issues that you're highlighting there, because he's a farmer himself. Uh, Willem, in terms of that particular point, the fact that there's no will coming from the farmers themselves, do you agree with that? Benjamin, uh, I. I I just want to make sure I heard there is a will. Uh, are you stating there is no will? Well, I heard from uh, uh, the Dr. Vuyo Mashati saying that there isn't really a fast-paced enough will in the farmers' community and in society in general. Okay, then, then I misunderstood. I'm questioning, can I just clarify? Sure, sure, go ahead. I am saying it's 23 years after, mm. with so much invested, it's from government. You know, the figures apply at over 30 billion. On both sides, the will is questionable. Because if we had the resources, we're lucky as South Africa because we still have resources to facilitate land reform. Mm, mm. But for some reason, it is not happening. Let me so take that. that you have to question the will. Let me take that back to you, Willem. You heard that clarification yeah, uh, yeah, from uh, yeah. Dr. Vuyomatlati. Yeah, and I, and I can understand 100% that there can be observers taking... that uh, comes to that conclusion. But I think when we talk about the, the will, we should also talk about the policy framework within which the will must be executed. And I think... Uh, without referring to white or black at, at this point, I would say there is a confusion amongst farmers of what should be the road that will be politically acceptable uh, all the way. Okay. Because what you see is a shift in goalposts. Okay. The past 23 years, we experienced a lot of turmoil, and a lot of that turmoil is actually created by talks 
from different uh, institutions, different individuals trying to make a contribution mm. to the way forward. But what we actually found was that there's a lot of political interference mm. within this space. And the will, as I um, uh, see it and uh, how I uh, experience it in Limpopo amongst the farmers, and I can say here uh, with Afasa, Nafu, TAU, we've got a very good uh, relationship in Limpopo. And amongst the farmers there, whenever we talk about land reform, it's not so much about we need land and you must give land. It's more about how are we going to approach agriculture mm. with a solution mm. as a holistic approach and not only, I, I heard you, Benjamin, you, you uh, uh, repeatedly said it's, uh, the white farmers must share their land mm. with black farmers. Mm. That is not really the question uh, on the ground. Okay. It is, there's a lot of uh, uh, agricultural land available, a lot. The questions to be answered is how are we going to take hands and develop the underdeveloped or no-developed portions of agricultural land that laying wasted at the moment? That is the most important question. Mm. And coming back to what Pete Stale said, I mean, you you can't just uh, point to one of the things he said. He he actually pointed out a very uh, important thing. Okay. He said, be careful with which attitude mm. black and white mm. approach the possibilities of uh, solutions to the different uh, problems that mm. uh, face us or uh, that we are facing. So I think that is even more important than the question of land in itself. In, in the Pompo, I can tell you mm. there's a big frustration among the Maoshi. Uh, they sit on land, uh, thousands and thousands of hectares of land. Mm. Their question to Agri-Lampopo is, mm. how can you guys help us develop not only our farmers in the communal areas, but also our land that is available? Mm. They are not pressing for extra land. They press for plans mm. to be able to develop the land and the people as a whole. Actually, we are talking about development of people. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break and then I'll come back to you. And I think that you are spot on, Willem, the fact that there is a polarization of views in the agricultural sector. I also agree with you the fact that this issue has been politicized. And I think on that particular point, you do agree with Dr. Vuyo Matlatiusa, affirmed yeah. that particular point that uh, the land issue has been politicized very much, yeah. where the agricultural uh, uh, sector itself cannot really implement change and we'll come back to those questions after this break we have great news for you channel africa has gone mobile if you have a cell phone you can now download the mobile app for android you can get it on google play get the latest news from africa get the channel africa app channel africa bringing you the african perspectives
This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. From an African perspective. Remember, we're asking this question on our social media at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa One. And we're speaking about the advice of white South African farming agreeing to share land with the black majority. Is this a good call? And as you heard from our guests, it's not just a racializing this particular issue, but... The real issue as well is how do you actually create uh, real systems on the ground that actually create sustainable uh, change and transformation in the agricultural sector. Theo, you've been waiting there patiently in on the line. I hope that you could have you heard some of the other guests. I know that you struggled with the line. But just to sum up what our other guests were saying is the fact that you know, the, yes, the transformation issue is taking very much on a, a slow pace. Dr. Vuya Matlati really highlighting the fact that, yes, we've seen a, a sense of political will from the from government, but her questioning is, uh, is the public sector, are the private uh, farming uh, spaces actually having this conversation enough and actually implementing enough things to see this kind of transformation? Willem de Arnsfeld highlighting the fact that it's not an issue really of whether it's black or white, but how do we create sustainable uh, systems and programs that actually empower previously advantaged communities to actually work the land? And another thing that I found very interesting is the fact that uh, William van Yarsfeld was highlighting, Theo, that the, the space of this conversation is highly polarized because everyone is coming with new ideas every time. So there's never a real roadmap in terms of moving forward when it comes to transformation, Theo. Yeah, um, I've had the privilege of going to Africa over the last three years, spending time in 42 countries. And, and, and with it, Thea, I'm struggling with your line a little bit. Maybe we'll see if we can just call you back and, and see if we can clear that particular line because I'm struggling with uh, just getting that particular line. But let me move it to you, Professor Andres de Doit. What are your thoughts of these various uh, uh, points that actually create a, a very much polarized space in the agricultural sector? Uh, sorry, I didn't quite. Uh, I, I'm struggling a little bit with that. Can you just repeat your question one more time? Um, well, I was just highlighting the fact that you know the whole issue of the the, the agricultural sector in South Africa it's very polarized in itself. Looking at the different views that were are coming out, I think Willem van Yarsveld highlighted something very important that there isn't really a clear roadmap on the transformation route. Yeah. Um, I, I, would, I, I agree with that. I, I would just uh, challenge one aspect of the way in which you're framing it. My, my session, sense is that there isn't really big polarization inside the agricultural sector. Um, when you speak to, for example, Theo de Jager or Mr. van Jarsfeld, you will, everybody will say, we need land reform. Everybody will say we need viable ways of mm-hmm. bringing black farmers into the picture. So there's, in my view, surprisingly little polarization within the agricultural sector. So why are things Where not moving forward? Okay, okay, go ahead. Where there is polarization is in the country more broadly and in the way in which the whole thing is being politically talked about. And I think one of the things that bedevils our discussion here is that in a way land reform 
uh, actually serves two functions. On the, on the one hand, land reform is a discussion about land, which is a factor of production in creating food and is a part of our economy. And the kind of people who talk about it are, are policymakers who are worried about the technical aspects of how to make land reform work. At the same time, land reform is a highly symbolic political matter. When, when South Africa, when we talk about land, we're very often not really talk, talking about land as land. We're talking about who belongs here and who does not belong here. Whose country is this really? We're, we're talking about major issues of national identity and, and uh, national reconciliation. So, for example, young people in this country will say things like, oh, just give us the land first and then we can talk. Uh, we're, we're sick and tired of all these policy discussions. <laughs> just give us the land and then, then we can talk. Sure. Now, you can laugh about that. It was actually quite a serious... Yeah, it is a worrying fact. Serious. I'm not laughing because it's not yeah. serious. Yeah. yeah, it is actually quite a serious thing. But what is at stake there is many of the people who are, who are saying that and making that demand are not people who themselves want land. Very often, they're university students. They want an LLB or a BECOM. But what they're talking about is the unresolved nature of questions about our national identity, unresolved questions about reconciliation, mm, mm, mm. questions about colonialism and so on. And one of the problems we have is that these things get jumbled up and it makes it very easy for politicians to, to jump up and make all kinds of wild statements. Uh, and I think here Mr. Malema is the, is the most obvious example who will, when it suits him, he will make wide and sweeping statements about the need to expropriate land without compensation, about the need to invade land. He's not really concerned about, about making our agricultural sector work, and he's not really thinking about what the impact of mm, expropriating mm, mm, very mm. large commercial farms will be on food security in the country when the majority of our people live in the city. They're mm. using land as a political football. And I think um, uh, one of the things that bedevils our discussion about land reform is that we often try to... to um, have both kinds of debate at the same time. Mm, mm. I think if we're going to have a debate about who belongs here, who does not belong here, what do we do about colonialism, etc., etc., those are incredibly important issues. But then we should address them directly in mm. their own right and not um, try to address them via the technical matter of land reform for farmers. Mm, if you mm. want to expropriate land to give to smaller black farmers, for the purposes of empowering them to be part of agriculture. That is a highly technical matter. And I think mm -hmm. the, the message I've heard from all three of the other speakers on this panel today mm -hmm. is that you can't do land reform if the larger economic picture is not aligned with it. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if, you're, if you have a macroeconomic environment in which supermarkets have all the power, in which America can the United States and the, and the EU mm. can dump their agricultural products? Yeah, Agoa, we know that's a big cheap, problem. All sure. those kinds of mm. things. Mm. Then you're, you're always going to be, no matter how much political will you have, you're always going to be struggling with it. Well, let me bring Theo in. Theo, your thoughts. I know that I cut you off there because I was struggling with your line, but just uh, give me your sentiments on where we are with this conversation. Uh, I've had the privilege of traveling Africa extensively over the last few years. And whether you travel Morocco or Mozambique or Ethiopia or Zimbabwe, the, what, what strikes you first and foremost as you enter into the rural areas is the utmost poverty. The, the biggest challenge of our generation is addressing the poverty on the African continent. And there's only one way to kill the dragon of poverty, and that is through the creation of wealth. 
Now, there is no sector in the economy of Africa that's got more potential to create wealth on a broader basis in a shorter space of time than the agricultural sector. But then we need to be competitive. Yeah, the company which Professor Detoy has um, referred to mm. is taking place because we are not competitive in all our uh, um, commodities. And mm. um, one of the reasons, of course, is that we are not being subsidized mm. like the farmers in Europe or elsewhere in the world mm. are. And mm. um, we need to be resilient against all these production forces in the world. We are competing as farmers every day with the best farmers in the world. It became too small for, to, to allow for the petty politics around land on our continent. The Zimbabwean farmers are not where they are only because of politics. It is also the, the other dominoes which fell from the political dominoes. We have mm-hmm. some of the most brilliant farmers amongst the beneficiaries of land reform in Zimbabwe. Mm. Zimbabwe did something right with education, especially with agricultural training and development. Mm. But they have no financing for the mm. inputs. There is no access to banks mm. for production capital or to expand or to upgrade to the latest technology because they do not own the land. Mm. The pivots are not turning in Transkai and Makatini flats and Zinda on some of the most fertile land in our country mm. because there is no investment. Sure. Those farmers do not have land ownership, so they do not have access to capital. We have not yet replaced yes. land as the primary collateral to access financing. Wow. In South Africa, a hundred years ago, the same thing prevailed, but the white farmers were launched into success mm-hmm. by uh, agricultural credit board Mm. which could make long-term soft capital available based on land ownership. Now, this is one of the issues which I take my hat off for Dr. Voyu and her Afasa, Mm. where even in this conference they just had, one after the other, the member said, we need the ownership of the land. I also lease land elsewhere in Africa. I also farm elsewhere in Africa. Mm. Mm. Let me tell you from first-hand experience, you invest in your land. In the same way, when you lease it, than you what you would have done when you own the land, and you never have the capital available on leased land like you would have on your own land. Mm. What we need is to empower our farmers, the beneficiaries of land reform, especially the youngsters mm. and the women who came out from far outside the the, 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 the paradigm of commercial farming. The one we currently still have. Theo, let me cut you off there because I'm, I'm running out of time and I'd like to hear Dr. Vuyo Maslati's views on what you're highlighting there. Uh, Dr. Vuyo, you, very, you can hear that passion and, passionate f- and that frustration coming out from Theo there in terms of how we actually are lagging behind in terms of also the financing elements of, of, of things. And, you know, when you don't have financing in, 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 in agriculture, uh, it's very difficult to see transformation, isn't it, Doctor? Yeah, you know, I've had the privilege of working in Zimbabwe, mm. you know, particularly in agriculture and rural development, well, in, 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 in within subjects. And it, it is one, what, when you compare ourselves to Zimbabwe, we are actually in a bigger problem mm. if we don't deal with land reform. 
Zimbabwe had a good, uh, you know, the smallholder farmers within Zimbabwe, Malawi, they are far more advanced than we are. They are trained, you know, the training institutions there are very strong, I mean, have been very strong. And also the systems were, were enabling. Land was a barrier that they had to deal with. You know, problematic as, as, as we wish we could resolve issues without getting to that point. Mm. Here we have a different problem. Mm. We're dealing with people who have not been trained properly. Yeah. Our agricultural colleges are extremely ineffective and inefficient. And also the issue of access to finance. So I just want to say to my fellow panelists, you know, we can sit here and talk about who Atma Lima said, what that politician said. The truth of the matter is that we are sitting with 11% being transferred of farmland, land distribution and mm. land and uh, redistribution. And we have still the opportunity to turn things around. We've got some resources. We've got the skills that sit mainly with the white commercial farmers. But what we need to do is to find better ways of collaborating with a focused approach where people take responsibility and own up. You know, it, it's a situation where we are having to deal with the truth, be they from government side as well from commercial farmers. Because the truth is, there is mutual responsibility with the black farmer. We put more responsibility on the black farmer. Mm. We own up in terms of those farmers who received uh, um, support but did not use it adequately. Mm. And basically we are at a point where we monitor strictly and shame those people. So I just believe that if we are going to move from 11%, we are going to have to deal decisively and understand the different tiers of farming and the farmers and entrepreneurs within the value chain that are having to be part of this. And not just understand mm -hmm. that it's not just about subsistence farming that we have to, do, to look for well, and, 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 and deal with. Yeah. We have to deal across, start the emerging to emerge, get them to be proper uh, commercial farmers with the right support. So I believe that the message from the Zimbabwean farmers is welcome. Mm. Well, and if we don't, we don't hit the call, we will blame ourselves. Well, I need to wrap it up there. A thank you to Dr. Vuyo Mathlat, who is the president of the African Farmers Association of South Africa. Thank you to Theo Deyaga, who is the president of the World Farmers Organization. Thank you as well to Willem van Jarsfeld, who is a CEO of Agri Limpopo. And then last but not least, we thank Professor Andres de Toy, who is from the Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies. He is the director there at that particular institution. Uh, it has been a frank conversation. Still coming out from this conversation, a lot needs to be done and affirmed. We need a more collective front in the agricultural sector and also we need the uh, political conversation to be much more focused as we've heard from our guests. Thank you all for giving us your time. Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, people of Africa, let's uh, wrap up the show today with some music uh, from Zimbabwe itself. Uh, this is Maria Tembo, and this one is titled Chimurenga Zimbabwe. Until next time, God bless. <laughs> Thank you.